Joanna Fortune, psychotherapist and author of the 15-Minute Parenting series. Welcome to 15-Minute Parenting, the podcast where you will learn ways to parent through play. Play is more than blowing bubbles. It is fundamental to your child's development and is the foundation of your relationship with your child. Each episode is 15 minutes long and will cover a different parenting topic. We will start with common scenarios we are all familiar with, from supermarket tantrums to screen time meltdowns. I will share some theory on the topic and end with practical play activities that will help you parent through these issues using my 15-minute parenting model. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Picture the scene. You're in a supermarket with your young child and you have the shopping to do and you have to get it done in a certain time frame so that you can be at the school to pick up your other child on time. You're rushing around and you feel like you're dragging this very reluctant child who doesn't want to be there around with you. They keep asking you that pester power system that children have. They keep asking you for biscuits, for sweets. Let's get this. I want that. Can we have this cereal? I don't like that anymore. Give me this. Give me that. You're getting into your no, 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 no. And you can feel your own irritation bubbling up. You're dragging around the supermarket. You look over your shoulder and your child is no longer behind you. Where have they gone? You abandon your trolley, you rush around calling them, you find them in the very aisle you've just told them they can't be in, looking at the things they cannot have, holding the packet of biscuits you are not going to buy. You take the biscuits out of their hand, you turn them to the shelf and you say, no, we are not having those right now. And your child, of course, screams, shouts, roars, throws themselves on the floor, throws the mother of all tantrums in the middle of the supermarket. At this stage, what are you going to do? Everybody's looking at you. You've abandoned your trolley back in the detergent aisle. You're now standing in the crisps and sweets aisle and you've got to be at the school in 20 minutes. So you do what any of us will do. You abandon the shopping. You pick up the child who's screaming on the floor. You hold them under your arms and you drag them kicking and screaming out of that supermarket, burning with embarrassment certain that everybody is looking at you and judging you and then you have to face getting them into the car seat you're going to be wrestling and struggling to get them into the back of that car seat as they kick and buck and fight you and punch you they don't want to do it you're using a little more force than you'd like to admit at this stage you get them into the seat safety is paramount you strap them in you get into the front of the car and you take half an exhale and for the next 20 minutes you drive to the school to pick up your other child while your child screams shouts and roars in the back of the car how are you feeling right now so far so stressful so far so normal This scenario is so relatable. I think anyone listening, if you're a parent, you've been here in some shape or form. This happens to all of us. And it's exactly how you're feeling even listening to this that is going to guide what happens next. From the parent's point of view, think about this. You're in the supermarket. You have a job that you have to get done in a set time frame so that you can be the responsible parent and get to the school to pick up your child. You're very task focused. You're in that part of your brain that is saying, do, 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 let's get this done. Your child, however, is in a very different part of their brain. This is a classic example of a a parental need clashing with a child's want. 
you need to get the shopping done in a timely fashion. They want to be outside playing. They want the sugary sweets. They want your focus on them and not the shopping. And this is where this all kicks off. From the observer's point of view, they're not looking at you, judging you. They're just looking and desperately glad it's not them having this moment. I assure you. Before I get to solutions and the what to do and how to handle these situations, let's briefly deepen our understanding about what is going on from everybody's point of view. Because trying to understand or even imagine your child's point of view, especially during these challenging moments, is so important. And that understanding is what is going to get you through this. Because to be honest with you, we're not disciplining in the moments I've just said to you there. We're seeking to manage the situation by maintaining the connection. By the time we lose it and shout or snap, think about yourself driving that car, desperate to make it to the school and the other child is still screaming at you in the back of the car and kicking the back of the seat. By the time you snap, stop it. It's no longer because of what your child has been doing. It is because of what has gotten activated in you by them doing it. Poor stress management is the foundational cause of anger problems in people, small people, children, or big people, adults. It affects all of us in that way. From a a child's point of view, the first thing you've got to do is stop and have a think. My child has had a huge temper tantrum in the supermarket that has continued into the car. Why could that be? Start with the stuff that you can address very easily and quickly. Could they be hungry, thirsty, or tired? If the answer is yes to any of those, give them a snack, give them a drink, hold them, soothe them so that they can have some kind of a nap. By putting ourselves in their shoes, we are seeking to better understand it. What is it like to be a child in what I've just done? Okay, I'm busy, I'm frazzled, I have things to do. From my child's point of view, I have been dragging them around a supermarket. They are tired and fed up and you know what? They've had enough. By allowing myself to go there, I am embracing that my child's overt behavior, that huge temper tantrum you're still dealing with in the car, is underpinned by a physical state, hungry, thirsty, tired, perhaps even sick or unwell. And that is underpinned by an emotional state. I'm fed up, I'm frustrated, I'm irritated, I've had enough. The overt behavior is a symptom of what's going on underneath that. If you simply respond to the overt behavior, stop shouting. You're meeting them at that heightened level and you're shouting at them to stop shouting. Now all that's happening is you and your child are passing a hot potato of tension back and forth between you. There are no winners in that situation. That's just going to have to run its course until you're both exhausted and emotional and worn out. If you can hit that pause button, that internal pause button and quickly go, okay, what's just happened? I've dragged them around a supermarket. I was in a hurry. They've lost it. It's a while since they've had a snack. Maybe if I give them something to eat, you're immediately bringing yourself into your own doing and solution focused thinking. That's immediately empowering you and going to help you self-regulate in this moment. What we have to hold in mind is that children, particularly young children under seven years old, and always remember I'm talking about developmental age, not chronological, a young child does not, cannot self-regulate their emotional states. 
they co-regulate in response to their caregivers, their parents. So it's really important that we start by looking inwards and gauging how we're feeling and self-regulate and ground ourselves if we want to bring our children down from this heightened state with us. We also have to use this as a way of differentiating between those situations that require empathic connection and management versus discipline strategies. In this way, what we're doing is we're flipping the concept of discipline from something that tends to be seen as a negative, something that you are punishing, that you're giving out, that you're the authoritarian, and something that flips it and says, actually, discipline is a positive experience between me and my child. It is my opportunity to model regulation and it is about teaching the behavior that I want to see rather than punishing the behavior I don't want to see. In this way we are using that mantra in mind, secure a connection before you move to correction. When your child feels connected to you, they feel safe and they can receive the message and the lesson you are now seeking to impart. So now I want to talk to you about solutions. If you take as your starting point that you're seeking to teach behavior rather than punish behavior, you are following a creative discipline system. For creative discipline to be effective, you have to also have structure. You want to be really clear about what your expectations are. You want to really be clear with your child what it is you want to see from them. So be clear with yourself. What is it you want to see from them? Children behave mostly well when they feel secure in those emotional connections and safe in their parents' love. This is your starting point because what might look like defiant behavior is really a sign of inner turmoil and a need for connection. So start with yourself. How are you feeling and what do you need to take a breath, to de-escalate and regulate yourself? Use a system that I really like to refer to, which is ACT, ACT. Acknowledge the feeling your child is having. Acknowledge the feeling that you are having. You say to your child, I know that you're really angry because your brother took your toy. And that's very upsetting. Communicate a limit. It is not okay to hit your brother. We don't hit people in this family. And then T, target an alternative. If you want to hit something, if you really, really need to hit something, you hit that cushion over there. Or I'm going to blow up a balloon, tie a knot at the top and hold it well away from my body. And I'm going to cue you to punch the balloon like a punch bag in a gym. So what you say is you hold out your your blown up balloon and you say to your child, when I say green light i want you to punch 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 this balloon and when i say red light i want you to stop by using green light and red light and that stop and start you are also building into that release of tension some impulse control and by doing so you're going to prevent that from getting out of control you're going to stop them over escalating within that act so act acknowledge the feeling communicate a limit target an alternative Remember that all feelings are allowed. Anger is not the problem. It's what you're doing with it. Sometimes feeling angry is exactly how a child should be feeling. We are not in the business of saying you're not to be angry. We are in the business of saying, I understand why you're angry, but you cannot behave overtly the way that you are. And I will help you find another way of dealing with your anger. You're going to also help your child to recognize when they're about to lose it and talk to them about those feelings as they're building up so that they have strategies. You might use something like when you're feeling angry and you just want to scream and shout, 
here's something else that you can do instead. You're going to stamp your feet three times. You're going to take a deep breath and count to five. And you're going to do that with them and model. So you're helping them to understand internally what's happening as those symptoms are building before they flip their lid and shout. And you're going to set those limits on aggression and hold boundaries by using ACT or by using if and then. If and then is a system that you empower your child to make the choice of consequence. If you behave in a certain way, then you gain this privilege. If you continue to behave in this negative way, then there is a consequence. If you don't tidy up your bedroom, then we don't get to go to the park. If you put all of your toys away right now, we're going to go to the park and play football. You give them a reminder, and then if they refuse to tidy up their toys, you simply come back and say, thank you for letting me know that you don't want to go to the park today. And when they come at you and whine, oh, I want to go to the park, you simply remind them, you made a choice today not to go to the park, but tomorrow you get to make a different choice. This way, you're not doing it to them they are in charge of their behavior and consequences. It's a more creative approach that leads to an empowering model. A consequence is not a punishment. Remember that. A consequence is about teaching responsibility and modeling self-regulation. The other thing I want to just give a quick note to you for on this because I'm asked about it all the time is my opinion on timeouts. I'm not a fan of timeouts for children. I do believe, by the way, a timeout can be really effective for us parents. Sometimes we're the ones who need to take 10, 15 minutes and walk away so that we can ground ourselves so that we can be a good disciplinarian that teaches rather than punishes. For children, I don't think timeouts work. I think a child who's under seven and doesn't self-regulate their emotions, if we isolate them with a view to them sitting on a chair or a step or on a cushion and say, think about what you did and then come to me and make repair, it's unrealistic. They literally cannot do that. I think instead you want to take a time in approach and time in means separate your child from the action. Whatever has kicked off, whatever is happening, separate them from that, but stay with them. Reset their brain by changing the field of vision. This is quite simply done in your house by looking out a window. Just change their field of vision. When you have them look out a window with you, ask them to tell you five things that they can see, four things that they can hear, three things that they could smell, two things they could touch, one thing they could taste. You're doing five, four, three, two, one, and you're engaging their senses while changing their field of vision, which will reset their brain and co-regulate them down into their window of tolerance with you, where you can now connect and gently reflect and correct that behavior. A time in is always going to be much more effective in meaningful, sustainable change in behavior than a timeout which just makes everybody feel miserable and isolated. Play is the best way to help you and your child reestablish that connection following a rupture like a temper tantrum. And here is one of the games from my book that will help you do that. It's called Newspaper Punch. You simply take a sheet of newspaper, hold it taut in the middle away from your body, and on your cue, invite your child to punch right through it. Then take the two separate pieces and have them punch twice more so that you end up with four separate pieces of paper. 
between you and your child, scrunch, squeeze and roll those bits of paper into four paper balls and make a circle with your arms, taking two steps away from them so that you now have a basket. And one at a time, they shoot those paper balls into your basket. You've moved from a tension, frustration releasing newspaper punch into a fun, connected engagement activity of newspaper basketball. Always remember that play enables children to learn the art of emotional self-regulation and at the end of the day, the job of parenting is to raise independent self-regulating children. Thanks for listening. If you found this episode useful, subscribe, share with a friend, give us a like, all of which helps people find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to come back next week for a new 15-minute parenting episode or check our archives for previous topics. You can find me on Instagram at Joanna Fortune. And between now and then, have fun.